0: Welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR topics that is making the headlines. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today I'm joined again by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So thanks for joining me on today's podcast and I'm really pleased that we're going to be kind of diving into such an important topic
1: which is mental health. Thanks for having me on Soph, it's always a pleasure to be back on the podcast.
0: So as many of you will probably be aware, Mental Health Awareness Week takes place between the 10th and the 16th of May this year. And this is an annual event which essentially provides the opportunity for the UK to focus on achieving good mental health. And this is hosted by the Mental Health Foundation and each year the foundation picks a new theme, which for this year is nature. So I guess that kind of makes sense given that we have been cooped up and in and out of lockdown restrictions for the last year. As we all know, the pandemic has taken its toll on mental health, both in personal and professional life, and several data sets have kind of pointed towards this. One, for example, is some statistics from Wade McDonald, which revealed that almost one third of employees said that their mental health had declined as a result of the pandemic and that they'd noticed this. Other data sets have shown that employees want greater mental health support going forwards. And this was something that came out of some data which was conducted last year by Second Sight, which found that more than half of employees feel that their employers should be offering more support when it comes to staff mental health. And while this data set was, as I said, conducted last year, the importance of supporting employee mental health remains critical and a core part of HR strategy, particularly considering that we are moving moving throughout the roadmap out of lockdown and as many more industry sectors continue to reopen. So the need, I think, for supporting employee mental health is clear, both from an employee perspective, as the stats have shown. And it seems increasingly that this is becoming a top priority for HR2, which, of course, is welcome news.
1: Yeah, it is, so. And as you said, Over the past year, for a variety of different reasons, different parts of every workforce have struggled with their mental health. We saw like a year ago, burnout was on the rise, and that's continued throughout the entire year. But as you said as well, it is a top priority for HR, as in offering care and support for mental health, which is really, really good news. In fact, in a recent natural HR survey study, they found that for almost three quarters of HR leaders, mental health will be their top priority for 2021, which is great, as that tax to rising employee demand for support in this area. In fact, over half of firms in the UK have seen increased demand for some form of mental health support from their employer. However, and there is a sad however in this, is that Despite HR wanting to deliver support for employees, despite employees wanting that support, some firms, some leadership at firms, some of the organisational cultures at firms don't have mental health as well-being as a cultural priority which is a bit worrying because it seems that HR might not get their voice heard there and being able to deliver the support. And this is actually an issue for the bigger the firm, the less of a cultural priority mental health is. So if you're a HR practitioner listening to this, you'll have a bigger fight on your hands to get mental health onto the agenda at your company. In fact, with companies with a turnover of £100 million or higher, actually, there's a significant number in there that are planning to decrease their level of support in this area. Why is this? Why even though employees are increasingly struggling with their mental health, HR is saying it's a top agenda point, why is there a disconnect with what companies are actually doing? Is it because businesses feel like they've given loads more support over the last year, and actually, they don't need to do any more? Is it that we're now past the peak of the pandemic, hopefully, in the UK, and therefore, they need to deprioritize mental health support, as maybe other things come to the top of the agenda? Is it because those at the top are heartless, despite all the noise about empathy being a critical business skill? Or is it because there's actually, and this is what I think, there's a disconnect in understanding how mental health issues don't just have people outcomes, they have culture and performance outcomes and can actually impact how the business does. That's something I want to talk a little bit later on this podcast about, So, but I think before I go into that in depth, you have some insight into actually if HR managed to get mental health onto the gender, what they can do in practice to like deliver some schemes or programs, don't you?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I do think with Mental Health Awareness Week on the horizon, it's definitely a good time for this to be at the forefront. And I'm sure lots of employers and HR will be thinking about how they can support employee mental health. So importantly, and I think this is something that we're starting to hear more and more about, is around normalising conversations around mental health. And on the Memory AI website, it is essentially explaining that it's really important to carve out a company culture that is safe, non-judgmental, and also allows people to feel that they can openly speak up with the follow-on of being able to feel comfortable to ask for support. And it kind of says there are several ways that you can go about this. So regular check-ins is one, just to see how colleagues are getting on. Staff forums and surveys is another way that HR can kind of gauge feeling monthly performance reviews, and also setting up internal group channels. So those are just a couple of examples of how to help this be discussed. And also, I guess, to provide various different ways for people to raise challenges and ask questions during this time. Also, like with anything, it's probably a good idea to tailor the support to individual needs as each person will have independent and different struggles. So, access to employee assistance programs where colleagues get the opportunity to speak to professionals in that kind of safe space. Also, providing LD opportunities, exploring the prospect of mentoring or having an informal buddy system so that employees feel that they have someone to turn to is also another way that this could be achieved. Recognition and sharing positive achievements could also be a good way to boost spirits. Obviously, the last year has been quite difficult, so it really is important to kind of share those great achievements and wins when they do come up and, you know, thank staff for their hard work. Also, a follow on to this, considering working structures to give staff the flexibility to work how best suits them. And obviously, this is something that has been widely discussed recently as, you know, employers and HR kind of think about how both the company and employees want to work going forward. Another tip that I think is always useful and applicable to various different areas of HR best practice is the leadership team practicing what it preaches and leading by example. So particularly, Danny mentioned earlier about burnout levels throughout the pandemic. Just ensuring that people take proper lunch breaks, they're not overworking, they're not sending emails late at night, working over the weekend or interrupting someone when they're on holiday. Those sorts of things are all really key. So I guess setting these boundaries and showcasing that leaders themselves can and should maintain a good work-life balance may encourage staff members to do the same, which obviously can be really good for mental well-being and in a previous interview an HR leader was essentially sharing some tips on how to promote a better work-life balance when working from home she was saying things like tidying away workstations doing a fake commute in the morning if you like and after work just going around the block to kind of separate personal professional life but most importantly she was just explaining that it's really crucial that leaders do engage in practices like this to kind of give further validation to staff that these measures are supported and encouraged Just to round off that section of the podcast, one thing that our listeners will probably be interested to hear about is the mental health support initiatives that may have a better ROI. So I was just doing a bit of research before the podcast and the mental health and well-being in employment report by Deloitte, which was conducted in 2017, looked into this very thing. And it was basically saying that organisation-wide culture and awareness trainings are things like personal exercise sessions, proactive mental health support, so that could include line manager workshops and health coaching, and reactive mental health support, so this could be therapy with a licensed mental health practitioner, were identified as having the greatest impact. So I guess that's food for thought there for employers and HR.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the ROI point you raised there is really interesting, Soph, because I guess if we take the empathy out of this subject... Uh, which is very much a devil's advocate position. I think empathy is the core part of this subject. There might be some leaders out there who think that mental health stuff is it's fluffy, it's soft, it's a nice-to-have thing that you have tacked onto the side of the company. That's not my thinking, and I doubt many in HR think their way, but there probably are some out there. And what they'll be needing, in fact, what all leaders will be needing, regardless of whether they're you know, pro support for this area or not, is they need to prove that there's an ROI on this, as you just said, because that actually helps push it up the agenda for HR as well. So it's on HR to talk about it in these terms. I can't talk about this too much right now, but I know that we've got a piece of research coming out with Jigsaw Cloud very, very, very soon, which shows that Despite the fact that there's a better understanding of mental health in 2020, it is still quite low down the business agenda along with well-being. And I think in many cases that is because of this bridge that doesn't exist in understanding between mental health initiatives being rolled out, as you've just described for the past five minutes, Soph, and understanding of how they boost business performance. However, what I'm going to try and do is make that connection and hopefully make it in a way that HR can go to the executive at their firm and be like, right, there is a connection. So under the last government, when Theresa May was prime minister, they commissioned a report into mental health called the Thriving at Work report. And it found that there was a shocking impact on business because of bad employee mental health. So 70 million work days were lost. Um, this was a couple of years ago. So that's before even the stresses of the pandemic when lots of people would have been struggling at work. In fact, bad employee mental health caused 300,000 people to lose jobs. Think of the turnover, the attrition, all those RRI things that businesses care about and that HR has on its agenda. Uh, that's the impact there. And it also costs employers up to 42 billion a year and the economy up to 100 billion a year. In that figure there are some specific stats that we should worry hr too so within that 42 billion a year figure the vast majority of that of that lost output is caused by presenteeism alone so thinking people turning up to work in a bad state of mind struggling with their mental health because and this is hypothetical here it's because maybe the culture at work isn't set up for people to talk about that it's because there's no balancing of people needs with business needs these are things that HR should be thinking about in terms that they can talk about to the executive. These figures as well come from the same Deloitte report, which Sophie just mentioned. Deloitte also very, very usefully, so for HR practitioners in these sectors, prick up your ears now, broke it down into the industries which have the biggest cost issues associated with poor employee mental health, We're looking at the effect of turnover, absenteeism and presenteeism. And it found that, More traditional sectors, so finance, professional services, logistics, transport, had the highest costs associated with that. We all know as well that things like sick leave for poor mental health cause poor quality work, potentially colleague conflicts, and low motivation too. So how does How does HR talk about this to the board? So it's about making that connection between mental health care or mental health support programs and outcomes for the business. I know one example, and it gets shared around quite regularly in the HR community, is that for every pound spent on an employee assistant program, you get £1.50 in return for employers. Furthermore, in the same Deloitte study that we talked about a lot on this podcast, there's an estimate that ROI on mental health investment is a staggering four to one on average. In some places, up to nine to one. That is a huge, 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 great outcome for investing in your employee mental health. However, one of the things that did found to be in the way of actually investing in mental health for employees, getting that ROI, is that just employees aren't taking a holistic view of mental health. They're not looking at how individual employees struggling with their mental health have an impact on the wider workforce and showcase some things about the culture of that workforce itself which is worrying and it's where hr needs to step up step in and talk about it in a way that the business understands
0: some of the stats that you reeled off there really do showcase how important mental health support and investing in that for colleagues is, not just on on an individual level, but also for the business as a whole. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to find out more, or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.